This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children, including Cunt Bucket, Fuck Muppet, and The Good News Club. We couldn't find anything to rhyme with Muppet. Was it Beyond Bucket? I, I just, I, fuck not it. Not even Bucket? Fuck it. <laughs> just fuck it. Maybe I could luck it. I don't know. Tonight's episode of the Science Enthusiast Podcast is brought to you by Ken Ham's Ark Encounter. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all that's, we need to say. Like, uh, that's because all. Yeah. because when you don't believe in climate change, but you think forty days of rain would flood the planet. Hashtag creationism. Hashtag big boat parked in the middle of um, the United States. Hashtag big boat with a hole in the fucking bottom in a ramp. <laughs> Hashtag at the top of the ramp, they take your picture in front of a green screen. Hashtag Noah was the first drunken sailor. Hashtag it has a bulbous bow, but the bulbous bow wasn't created for like centuries later. Hashtag dinosaurs were on the ark. Hashtag he has zip lines right by the ark. He has fucking zip lines? There are fucking zip lines there. Like uh, We're not speaking in hashtags anymore. I don't know that we, we kinda lost the lost the uh well, the thing here. But I like I just got distracted by the fact that like he needs to have zip lines at the ark. Because you know what Dinosaurs that's, and zip lines. That's not authentic. I don't think that there were zip lines in the Bible. Okay. But how Head else down. are you, I mean you can't prove there's not unless because, you actually like Because read it. God. Because God. God created zip lines. <laughs> that was that, that was after the day he rested. He was like, I put a or maybe that was on the day he rested, because he's like, dude, like I need some R and R. I'm just gonna make some zip lines, uh, make uh, put a shop in the bottom of the ark. And then like maybe maybe God built a water park or something too. Cause like I would just imagine that the Ark Encounter is eventually just gonna have a big wave pool or something. Like for people <laughs> to go swimming and then I don't even know. No, that place is gonna be out of business really soon, but um that's my prediction. But I guess we'll hear about that later in the episode. I don't yeah, and I don't know about really soon. Definitely. I think there's enough fun because the yeah, the hard part's true. done. They've already yeah. they already built the damn thing. So that part's over with. He, he doesn't need to get however many millions in donors uh, that, that he did before. We're already beyond that. But interesting tie-in here. I had the uh, great fortune of seeing, uh, I guess, uh, Papa Bear. Uh, Neil deGrasse, Can we call him Papa Bear? Neil deGrasse Tyson? Like, you can call him Papa Bear the, if you want the, to call him Papa Bear. The yeah. scientist slash skeptic that we all... Uh, wish we could be as like even like half as cool of uh, I got to see him uh, when he was here in Indiana uh, speaking at Bloomington last Wednesday and kind of I guess anecdotal story that kind of and I'll set it up here uh, so his talk is his talk's fantastic if you get a chance to see it it is fantastic because Neil but what he does is he just goes through uh, just a bunch of different movies and talks about uh, different things that relate to science or things that got right, things that got wrong, uh, or just like really cool things that, you know, it's cool that they're like, uh, example was in A Bug's Life, you have this entire, uh, entirely ridiculous world where you have, you know, an ant that has four arms, legs, uh, and, and walks upright and is blue. Uh, but they have a scene like at, at a bar where there's a mosquito, we, you know, because it's a bar. Mm-hmm. And he asks for, 
I've never seen a bug's life, but I think he asked for like a Bloody Mary or something like that. And because of course he's a mosquito and instead of serving in a glass, they, they just plop it down, uh, this thing of blood down on the counter and it sticks because of surface tension on the water. And of course, like he'd set that all up by explaining what surface tension is and everything like that. But it's like, they didn't have to do that. They could have just put it in a glass, but they, you know, not only do they want to do that, but, but they also said, Hey, this is how like fucking science works. And we're going to actually represent this accurately. Or, uh, even in frozen, how they, I'm talking about like Disney movies. I'm not a shill for Disney. I promise. I, for big animation, you're just for big, for big, for big Pixar. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about how like it fro- like the Frozen, like the the one song that everybody knows. You know, she uses the word fractals like in the in the middle of it, then goes into what fractals are, and then that's what inspired me to share uh, the fractal dick butt uh, the <laughs> animated gif uh, that I did uh, last week on the page. But uh, one of the times he was talking about was uh, the the film War of the Worlds, and Red. It, it, I love the timing of it, too, because it was about two thirds of the way through. You're nice and settled in. Uh, everything had been very nothing about religion at all to that point. Everything uh, strictly like science based or, you know, pop culture type based like he does so well. But he chose like this time and it, it was absolutely intentional. Like he's not going to lead out with it. He's not going to close with it. He's going to wait until you're. You know, you know, you've been disarmed and you're relaxed and you're into the show. Uh, talk in the end of World of Worlds in 2005. Uh, you know, the rolling credits are about to roll credits. It says they were undone, destroyed after all of man's weapons and devices had failed, but by the tiniest creatures that God, in His wisdom, put upon this earth. And of course, he's talking about uh, how the the aliens from the Martians that are trying to invade the Earth were brought down by uh, human bacteria, or not human bacteria, but bacteria on Earth because they didn't have. Uh, uh, an immune system built up to defend it. The original quote says, uh, these germs of disease had taken toll of humanity since the beginning of things, taken a toll of our pre-human ancestors since life began here. But by virtue of this natural selection of our kind, we have developed resisting power to no germs do we succumb without a struggle. And that stuck out so much for me because that, you know, like Natalie and I both agree, and it's why we talk about it so much. Like the, if you get people to believe that which cannot be believed, religion, then you can, we can, you can. It's a slippery slope to believing anything. And he points this out that it makes it more palatable to the larger audience. But they they put God in there and took out the part about evolution. First off, I mean, obviously he's you know upset about that, and rightfully so, rightfully as, as we so, would be. Yeah. But the the anecdote, I guess, part of this is I posted uh, that slide. I took a picture of that slide, posted it on the page last week. I had somebody, uh, somebody else who was there uh, at the show, just happened to see the post and reached out to me and told me that uh, they were by somebody who we got to that point. He said you know, can I talk about evolution and everybody, you know, most people, probably 90% of the people like cheered or whatever, but there were people that got up and left because they were so upset that he talked about evolution. Yeah. But like they, so people chose to go see somebody talk about science, correct? Right. Yet, yet they're like, I'm offended by evolution. What the fuck? (laughs) Right. 
Right. And it's like, what did you, I mean, he did, I guess it was a choice obviously that he made to talk about evolution. He didn't have to, he could have just moved on uh, beyond it, but that's what makes him so good is even, even those people who walked out, they saw two thirds of a show and they got that information. There was probably something else that they either didn't know or weren't fully aware of, but I mean, even though they left and they didn't see the rest of it, they they still got something out of it, and whether they wanted to or, or or not, and that's part of like one of the many things that makes them so great. So you know, just a little shout out. Awesome, that's really because that's what he needs. That he needs that from us. He needs yeah, that he from needs, us. He's he needs like... a science enthusiast bump. <laughs> yeah, we we just gave Neil deGrasse Tyson the the science. Hopefully, bump. yeah. Hopefully, some people know. Yeah, hopefully, he is that now. helps yeah. his career out a little yeah. bit. This is a turning point for him. Totally. Just hit the mention on this show is this is it for him. He is this is going to explode now yeah. for him. He's just yeah. gonna, he's going to be he's going to be a household name. Yes, I think so. Speaking of household names, my name is Dan Broadbent, and as always, I am joined by my excellent friend Natalie. I'm so happy to be here with you, as always. I know. Well, I, and I skipped the hello and thanks for listening to the Science Enthusiast podcast. In case you didn't know what show you were listening to already, I think they know because they've they've heard enough of our voices already, and, and we're they've sorry. heard me rant for like yeah, yeah, eight minutes. the usual, and whatever then. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. speaking of drunken rants, uh, that's a call. That's a call forward here. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It's a call all the way forward to like oh, I the end of the episode. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about our God of the week? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so this week I, I actually didn't choose a God, um, because I, I've been reading the book. I know, I know I'm, I'm going to get shit for this probably because I don't have a story about God's jizzing. There was, Um, yeah, there was, yeah, there was once, uh, one week where we didn't do a God and somebody said, no God of the week. I was like, whoa, like what? Sorry, dude. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I've i been reading the book um, House of Leaves, which is quite a reading experience in itself. But I, I came across this little this little story within the book that just made me like it just made me chuckle a little bit and made me think like this is basically religion and religion is pretty much just a game of written telephone where people sort of. Wrote, and you know mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just gonna read I'm just gonna read from my book and then you'll I think see what I'm getting at so and if it's in a book it has to be true it, that's yeah. the other part here so right so all right so here's here's a little story um, a monk joins an abbey and he's ready to dedicate his life to copying ancient books by hand after the first day though he reports to the head priest he's concerned that all the monks have been copying from copies that are still made from more and more copies, right? So he says, if someone makes a mistake, it would be impossible to detect. Even worse, the error would continue to be made. So a little bit startled, the head priest decides he better check their latest effort against the original, which is kept in a vault beneath the abbey. It's a place that only he has access to. So within, so two days pass, then three days pass, and the head priest still hasn't resurfaced. So finally, the new monk, he decides to go and see if the old guy is all right down there. Um, so he gets down to the basement or whatever, and he discovers the head priest hunched over both a newly copied book and the ancient original text. He's sobbing, and by the look of things, he's been crying for a long time. 
So the monk says, Father, like, what's wrong? And the priest just is wailing, Lord Jesus, the word is celebrate, not celibate. So, <laughs> so, so um, like, oops, they they were supposed to well not not fuck. But um, so anyways, though, I it, but this is this is it though. This is the thing. Like, people are basing their whole lives right on on words written mm-hmm. by humans, copied by humans. Right. And like there there's evidence because actually I was I showed this to um, to to Matt when I was at his house and I was like, you know, read the story, whatever. And of course, being the um, atheist theologian that he is, pulled out a book that actually had a picture of like old. I don't know if it was scripture or something that had in the margins. Somebody pretty much wrote there's an error here. (laughs) so we know that this happens yet like these beliefs continue to persist and these books are taken so seriously so um yeah i i totally like got a kick out of this little little story within the story that i'm reading and i just think it's really fitting for this particular episode that we've got with you know talking about secular stuff and talking about later when we've got andrew on here talking about ken ham and the ark and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, no God of the Week, sorry. Um, but I just, I just think that that story is religion, and like, fuck it. Yeah, and that's uh, I don't personally for me that was that was one aspect. Uh, whenever I first started questioning things, uh, when I was the earliest I remember doing is is twelve. But I uh, even before that, I never. I never took anything literally and I never thought that people actually did take this stuff literally. I thought it was we'd go to church and these are just uh, stories that we've chosen from this book that represent and, – and to his credit – uh, the the priest that I had it was the or the church the priest at the church I went to I should say uh, for what he was doing like he was doing the best job or one of the the very best bigly job yeah. that he he could he could do because he would I mean it was always you know very uh, very good like life lesson or or whatever that he did it doesn't change the fact that he's espousing lies but. I, I always thought we just take the best stories and we tell the story and then he always, you know, uh, would make it, uh, you know, relatable and applicable to us. And yeah, like, uh, so yeah, of course, like I always felt good. And then I realized and whenever I didn't do first communion until uh, I was in seventh grade and then I, I had to take the classes, read actual like parts of the Bible and things like that. And I was like, wait, no, like we don't really think that like this, this little cracker like turns into Jesus. Do we? Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Whoa. Like, no, like seriously, like seriously, you're, you're fucking with me, right? Like this does not turn into flesh. Well, no, that's what the Bible says. And and then the wine, the wine, which, which a, like the Catholic church I went to like legit served wine. Like it was like wine and watered down. Like the, I, I know I was an altar boy. He's like, I, I'd see him pour it into like the big, big cup. And then like, he'd bring it out and then he'd pour it into the smaller cups and he would add water. 
And of course, the water had been blessed because uh, reasons. God, I mean, we yeah. In like, how do I get that gig? Like, just talking to water, and and then like selling that because I that, that it's going to cost money to ship. They're not giving that shit away for free. Let's start blessing water. Could that be like our side business? Just sell it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Well, well, and then this could, if uh, you know, if we were on another show, this could segue right into, uh, you know, we don't want to say angry things to water because then it'll get upset, and then the negative energies, and water we has can, memory. We can prove that because of water. Has yeah, memory. it does because homeopathy is a thing. But that's see, look, look at that. we have so many. We have so, so many much podcasts. To talk about. I know we have so that's so a topic to for about. another podcast. But but today today we're um, gonna move on to an interview with Kevin Davis. Tonight, we are thrilled to be joined by Kevin Davis, the founder of Young Skeptics and the head writer of Secular Voices for Pathios. Kevin is also the author of Understanding an Atheist, a Practical Guide to Relating to Nonbelievers. Kevin's activism is focused on attacking the social stigma that accompanies being openly non-religious, as well as advocating for children against the harm that aggressive indoctrination can cause. Um, Kevin, thank you for joining us tonight to have a little chat about all kinds of stuff. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, I actually met you at um, New York City Skeptic Camp um, like a couple months ago, right? I think it was at this point. And um, yep. was really impressed by the your presentation about your young skeptics organization. So it was like, you know, this guy needs to come on the podcast at some <laughs> point. <laughs> so I'm glad we're finally getting around to doing it. Um, so I want to get started just like we do with a lot of our guests, like to get to know you a little bit. As sure. far as, you know, like what brought you here to being a secular activist? Like what, what was your, you know, sort of origin story as a skeptic and atheist? <laughs> like at, tell us your story. Tell us about that time in first grade you lost a bingo. Like. <laughs> right, right. Well, how long do you have? Um, well, I mean, you, you just talk. We can I mean, run it's this already thing for a little hours late, hours. So. <laughs> uh, well, I was uh, raised Catholic from an Italian Catholic family. Um, problem number one. Uh, went to Catholic school until uh, eighth grade, then went to public school after that. Um, so I was kind of raised with the this is how this is how it is. This is what you should know. These are the truths that you should kind of absorb and don't question anything because that's you know obviously wrong. Um, you know, like a lot of people have been raised. So uh, interestingly enough, uh, after I left. Catholic school and never really kind of bought in like hook, line and sinker, right? I was always kind of questioning things in my head and, and wondering, well, what if, and, um, you know, this, this story in the Bible kind of sounds crazy, stupid, and I don't get it, but, uh, which one? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it depended on, uh, you know, which, which first Friday of the month we were, um, uh, required to go to mass during school. But, uh, you know, Interestingly enough, I, I went to, to high school, public school, and I was surrounded by Christians. And um, just my circle of friends, right? And I, I uh, dated a, um, a Pentecostal for a couple of years in, in high school uh, who uh, tried to get me to go to her youth group. And I went once, and that was uh, an experience I don't want to have again. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was kind of doing the whole searching around thing and, and wasn't sure kind of what I believed or if I should believe anything. And, 
went to college and again found myself surrounded by Christians and ended up going to the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship group that was on campus and uh, for a while I was a born-again Christian and uh, my parents were right about one thing that was a phase uh, unlike <laughs> unlike my atheism um, so you know once I was I was a, a Christian in college I started taking courses that I thought would kind of uh, support my my faith and and kind of solidify it and it really did the opposite so you know I started learning about the history of the Bible history of Christianity and philosophy and things like that and I was like wow this is kind of bullshit this is uh, you know this was put in place by men who want to control populations and uh, I don't want to be a part of it anymore and and I really don't think it's real so that's really where the atheism started and uh, my parents were wrong about one thing uh, that this part was not a phase so uh, that has kind of stuck with me ever since, and I uh, continue to learn and, and, and grow and, and really, um, uh, you know, the things that I learn about and, and kind of what I've opened my mind to um, really supports that, uh, you know, we're not worshiping a deity and we shouldn't be, and, uh, you know, we're kind of here by happenstance. So that's my background. That's my origin story. So is is your family still like are they still practicing Catholics? Are they still religious? Uh yeah, for the most part. I mean, they're not like uber Catholic. They, yeah. you know, l- like most they're cafeteria Catholics who go to church mm-hmm. for uh funerals and weddings and uh the occasional holiday uh and just when it's convenient. I mean, yeah, and if you ask them something about the Bible, they would just look at you blankly. So, um yeah. you know, it's a, they, it's they a know two Corinthians. Yeah, <laughs> they know the things they're supposed to know, and that's pretty much it. And they don't want yeah. to be questioned about it. Okay, so so then you kind of you know came into your own as as an atheist, and sure. and so then you, I mean, you're an activist. You also have written a book, and I like the topic of the book is interesting to me. So like a practical guide to relating, um, you know, to non-believers. Like how so this is is this like a how-to guide for people to relate to us as yeah, Not yeah. Really I mean, it's it, it's meant actually for Christians or believers to um, to start the conversation, right? So, uh, you know, in the position I was in with my family, there was always kind of a um, uh, you know an elephant in the room. So, you know, I'm at family holidays or you know Christmas, and people would crack little jokes and say, "Oh, you know, make Kevin say grace at dinner," you know, things like that, and it's like. Okay, it you know over the years it's like it, probably that's enough. So, um, you know, after I I had my first son, um, uh, my parents and my wife's parents who were both Catholic um, would share childcare when we were at work, um, and he got to the age you know maybe I don't know six months old or so, and or maybe even before that, uh, where there was you know kind of um, mumblings about, you know, are they going to get them baptized? And, you know, they didn't really understand uh, our viewpoint and how that was kind of not something on our radar. Um, and until so we kind of heard a rumor that uh, one or more of them, uh, being the stubborn Italians that they are, um, uh, thought about uh, baptizing our son while we were at work or something. <laughs> so uh, like secret covert operation, yes, like yes, operation they were baptize save, the child. They wanted yep. to save his soul before we ruined it. 
So, um, you know, the, everyone kind of denies that that was the case and that it was, uh, you know, an offhand remark that was taken too far. But, you know, at that point, it kind of opened my eyes to, to think, you know, despite these people being in our close family, they really, you know, they were taught not to talk about religion or politics and because it's divisive and it's upsetting. So they don't. And having someone so close in their family who doesn't believe the way they do kind of causes a rift and um, it's something, if it's not discussed, isn't going to be overcome. So being in that position with a you know relatively newborn son and, and having different um, uh, you know, a different worldview than the rest of our family. I thought, you know, if if we're going through this, there's a pretty damn good chance that other people are going through the same thing. So, you know, why don't I write something that's targeted toward those folks who uh, don't feel comfortable enough to ask certain questions? You know, why do you celebrate holidays? Is it okay to pray before meals when you're there? Um, you know, all those other things that kind of seem second nature to us because we're on that other side of it. Um, but, um, aren't so black and white or aren't so, um, you know, easily answered by, uh, by people who aren't familiar with atheism. Uh, so I wanted to kind of help. So, you know, instead of saying, Hey, why don't you just, you know, talk to people? I said, okay, I'm going to give you some of the answers, um, that really relate to the majority of us. And certainly I can't speak for all atheists because, you know, the only thing that ties us together is that we don't believe in deity, but we all have different worldviews or political um, leanings and things like that. Uh, so, you know, I just wanted to put something out there as a conversation starter, and it's certainly not a long book. It's not something that um, I wanted to overwhelm people with because, you know, who's going to open up a book about another faith that they really aren't interested in or, <laughs> or worldview or whatever you want to call it, right? Um, because they're going to think they're going to be indoctrinated or... or, or uh, or, you know, it's an attempt to convert it's come them or something like that. Preachy. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a, it's a, you know, short book, a quick read, and it's, it's something that was meant to be and, and something that, um, you know, is aimed at those people who, you know, want to maybe broach the subject, but don't know how, or, you know, want to at least find out a little bit more about their, uh, family member or loved one who, um, who has that, uh, that worldview. So. Yeah, see, I, I like that just as a as a conversation starter and a way to, right. you know, sort of bridge people of different worldviews and make it more about a, a conversation rather than just, you know, shoving something down the throat. Exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah. to that effect, what I'm hearing you say is it starts out by telling them that they're going to hell, right? Yes. Okay, yes. got it. Just want to be sure I'm paying attention, I'm listening. <laughs> I don't know why that wasn't clear to you already. <laughs> and it just, if, I'm sure it just lays out all of the the really important things about atheists, like, you know, eating babies and just worshiping all kinds of really. Yeah. There's a whole chapter. That is the most important part. You have to, yeah, yeah, you have to get free range babies, organic and don't want the chemicals. Non-GMO, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Because no, but I, but really I like cool that you like did something to, to start a conversation and, and to, and to not do the whole, like let's indoctrinate people into a, way of being like things like the like well, the it, news club do <laughs> and yeah because it's it's so second just second nature to us because that's i mean like you said before like the only thing that unifies us is the, the the fact that we don't think that there's anything after we die and to us that's just 
common sense, but right, to, right. to somebody, so somebody has the, the question, one of the questions I get the most is, well, what do you believe? And it's like, well, you don't have to, like, it's not, it's not something you have to do. It's, it's just like, I don't believe in unicorns. I don't believe in, in fairies. Like, it's just not a thing that I think about. Right. We just right. exist and try to live the best lives possible. Yeah. And just don't be addicted to people. Right. That. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I, I try to get across is that, you know, your your friend or family member is an atheist and they were, the, you know, before you even knew they were an atheist, you know, they're the same person they were back then. So, um, you know, nothing has changed except for what the, what they believe happens after you die. Um, you know, the individual even then, hasn't like nothing, changed. Nothing, is, nothing has changed except for the fact that they're telling you about it because they've been indoctrinated into not talking about sure. what they think or how they feel. Right. Yep. Yeah, I I like just the the ability to be to be open about these things that you know, we we believe or don't believe or whatever different things, but you know, we're still the same people, you know. Right. And it shouldn't be off limits. Yeah. So so just yeah, anything to bring that conversation to the mainstream and and I mean anything to just bring the idea, I think, of, and this is something that you do in all your work, I think, is the idea of rational and critical thinking to make mm-hmm. it part of the, con- like, the, just the general conversation. Um, and I, and I want to get to um, young skeptics and your work there. But first, I want to I talk about the another, good news. Cl- another club. I want to <laughs> share some good news um, because there's no, there's no subtle or not so subtle indoctrination happening here with a club called the Good News Club. It's just, it's all, it's all, it's all good fun. Like probably just kids getting together after school and like playing kickball or something. And just, I don't know what kids do after school, but um, can, can we talk about the Good News Club? What is the Good News Club? All right. So the Good News Club, if you haven't heard of them, is a, uh, an after school club uh, for elementary school kids. Uh, that teaches kind of fundamentalism, um, you know, literalist Christianity, uh, despite the fact that they don't reveal that to parents on permission slips. So um, they advertise to parents on their permission slips as a, um, you know, a fun, fun and games program with Bible stories and teaching of morality, etc. Right. Sounds kind of benign. Um, if you're a Christian, um, sounds like it's just, you know, a little bit of Bible study, some snacks, they're having fun. Somebody's watching my kid for an hour after school. <laughs> like yeah. the most important part, let's be honest. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I yeah, don't have to be an adult for another hour. That's what it is. Yeah. That, like that's how, that's how they get them so easily too. Cause I mean, who, who doesn't like to send their kids to an after school activity? <laughs> like I'm yep. all about it, but yeah. So, so they get them in right. And they're just thing yeah so they have exercises where they memorize bible verses because that's fun for kids uh and then they give them candy when they recite it correctly uh that's not a problem no not at all um they have like a group activity um where uh they'll sing songs um or um the leader will tell a bible story like a some long 45 minute Bible story because kids love that too. <laughs> and Candy in the Bible. Like everything. <laughs> they, um, so the, I, I guess, you know, the, the fundamentalism comes in when they, and, and I've witnessed this because I've gone to 
to good news club sessions. There are a lot of laughs. Um, they'll have the kids um, all sitting down in front of the leader and the leader, you know, in between songs or whatever. And they'll talk about the Bible as kind of fact. And they'll say, um, uh, so can somebody tell me uh, what is different about the Bible as compared to other books? And, uh, you know, little Susie will raise her hand and they'll say, um, because everything in the Bible is true. Candy. And then <laughs> the leader will say, um, and how do we know everything in the Bible is true? And Bobby will raise his hand and yes, Bobby. And Bobby says, because God never lies. So, the, I mean, that's like the building blocks, right? So now they got them hooked in with candy to know that everything in the Bible is true. God never lies. Except, and then, except the parts where he said bats are birds and mustard seeds are the smallest seeds and like all that other. Hey, easy, like we should, easy. We check all right. Sure that women are virgins when they get married and yada, yada, yada. Do, do, do we have hours to list all those things? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so, you know, then they go through these stories and they'll talk about Jesus and they'll say, um, you know, how he died for us and we should be loving him because he loves us. And unless you don't love him and then, well, he's going to punish you. And separate you, <laughs> separate you from your family for eternity in a place called hell. Yeah. So, and these are That's, kids that yeah. walked in the door wanting to be, you know, princesses and cowboys. And now somebody told them that they're going to be taken away from their parents forever if they don't dedicate their lives to Jesus. And once they've made their decision, there will always be a, a uh, an adult over to the side of the room waiting for you to come over and profess your love for Jesus and um, pretty much become a born again christian like how fucking scary does this sound seriously yeah, like it's, it's after it's after school like let's tell horror stories to children but let's give them some candy mm-hmm. and uh, but they said about god this. loves you and god oh. never lies except the parts where he does except god's just a terrible dick like yeah if you actually read this stuff but so the, so where where are these clubs meeting uh, well, they are international. So actually, the majority of their clubs are in other countries, um, especially poor countries. Um, where that's what they know, need. They need more Bibles. Yeah, indoctrination is very prevalent. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but they are in the U.S. They have about 5,000 or so clubs in public schools throughout the United States. Public so schools? Wherever, yeah. So wherever you live, there's probably one near you. Um they are run by a, an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship, which sounds great. Um, <laughs> if by great you mean terrifying. Yeah, it's a it's a huge organization uh, with a lot of money, a lot of lawyers, and they've been to the Supreme Court uh, to win their uh, opportunity to um, preach to kids in public schools. So uh, they won a case in 2001 called uh, Good News Club versus Milford. Um, Central Schools or Milford School District. Um, it was actually in New York State where they uh, won that right to be in schools as an outside organization. Um, and that's really the, the law that uh, kind of others, other groups have piggybacked off of so that they could also uh, have uh, groups in schools like Young Skeptics and the uh, After School Satan Club and uh, others. So so I know you've you've done a little speaking out online against uh, like towards the good news clubs, right? Like I have I feel like I've seen uh, it on Facebook a little bit. So so what's your what's the response been when you have like spoken up about what these clubs 
are. Uh, besides uh, CEF and the Good News Club's blocking me, mm. uh, what I really look for, and I just started doing this this year, um, is I'm looking for school districts or government or other government organizations who might be uh, kind of uh, promoting Good News Clubs mm -hmm. uh, when they shouldn't be because uh, part of the equal access law um, that applies to them and, and um, you know, separation of church and state is that they are an outside organization not sponsored by any school district because mm -hmm. they're a religious organization. Yeah. So the school can't take part in promoting them unless they are kind of promoting every club that's there, right? So it's equal access. Um, but, you know, to err with err on the side of caution on this, most schools shouldn't be, um, you know, promoting them at all. So uh, I, I found quite a few school districts who have promoted either uh, signups for the Good News Club when school came back in session uh, or uh, promoted, uh, uh, you know, meetings once they've started. And I've just politely messaged them on Facebook or Twitter and told them, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing this because the Good News Club is a psychologically abusive organization and you're breaking the law. Yeah. Um, the facts right there. Yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, so, you, damn, you damn atheists. <laughs> so actually in every instance so far, I've been able to get the schools to take down their um, their advertisements of the Good News Club. So it's you know required not too much effort on my part. Yeah. Uh, there's been a couple of times that they've refused to do so. And then I'd kind of write a blog post and say, hey, can I get some help on this? And then mm -hmm. the floodgates open and they get inundated with phone calls or uh, Facebook messages. And then we kind of get our way. So, See, I like that. That's like actual like activism. Just in well, action, and you it's... see a result. And, it, and, it's, and it's done in, I mean, honestly, just with, with words in a respectful enough way. And... And then yeah, and, and, and like and like you said, it's not even necessarily just getting your way. It's just doing like what's illegal and what's right. right. So it's it's not even it's not trying to go in and tell people what to think, what to say, what to do, how to act or anything. It's saying this is the law. You are breaking the law by mm -hmm. sponsoring this organization, by promoting this organization. You need to stop. Right. Right. And so far it works. I mean, it, certainly school districts don't want to get in that battle and they don't want you know, watchdog groups to, to join in the fun. So, um, you know, unless it's a, it's, you know, a particular school district that's, you know, run by, uh, you know, a religious zealot, uh, administrator or something, but, uh, we haven't run into that so far. <laughs> I was gonna say, there's still time. There's still yeah. time. We got four more years of Trump. There's still yeah. plenty of time. God. Yeah. Um, yes, but at least for now it is effective and working and, now you mentioned before um, after school Satan, and, and I think we've we've brought that um, up on the show before. But like people, I think I feel like I've heard that mentioned, and I and I know you've written about this as an alternative to the mm -hmm. Good News Club. Like if there's a Good News Club, right. put in after school Satan. Can you talk a little bit about that and your thoughts on on that approach to all of this? Yeah. So this is where people get really mad at me. Um, I'm not a big fan of the after school Satan club. Um, and, and not because of what they're teaching. Uh, it's really kind of how they're going about it. So, you know, as we all, we've all seen with the satanic temple, um, you know, they kind of go for the shock value and try to get people to get pissed off that they bring Satan into the conversation. So everybody gets kicked out. Right. 
And that's kind of the um, the methodology they used when they set up these after-school Satan clubs. Um, they wanted to, to kind of get the fear coming out of the Christians in the communities who have good news clubs and and have them see that um, an after-school after Satan club is coming in and, and then have the school districts just kick everybody out because that's really what they can do. Um, a school district can either allow access to everyone or allow access to no one. So uh, their intention really from you know reading the documentation on their website and, and hearing from members is that uh, they don't really, their goal isn't to open 5,000 after-school Satan clubs in elementary schools. You know, they don't have the money or the manpower to do that. Um, what they want to do is, you know, get people freaked out and, and um, kick everybody out. Um, the problem I have with that, you know, I don't have a problem with that in um, in a case like the Ten Commandments going up in a courthouse or, you know, things that deal with adults. Uh, I have a problem with it because it puts kids in the crosshairs. So, uh, if a school district allows an after-school Satan club to open, and there have been some, uh, you know, they're hopefully going to get kids to sign up, although I think parents would um, you know, not be as amenable to um, a Satan club and signing their kids up for it, um, unless they really understand what it is, and it's not Satan worship, it's, you know, a critical thinking club, just like ours. Um, but anyway, so th the issue is kids. So um, you know, you have a bunch of seven and eight-year-olds going to a Satan club. Well, you know, the word gets around with their other not-so-mature seven and eight-year-old friends who are now bullying them because they're Satan worshipers or whatever they want to call them. Um, and, you know, we know kids can be mean. So, uh, you know, kids are already getting bullied enough by other by Good News Club kids because, you know, one of the things they teach in the Good News Club is to try to bring in your unchurched <laughs> friends. Um you know, it's religious recruiting, and they tell their friends that they're going to go to hell if they don't go to the Good News Club. So, you know, you're going to have the same thing with the After School Satan Club members, but it's going to be worse, right? It's not just you're going to hell. Now you're this vile human being because you worship Satan or, um, you know, whatever goes along with that. So, you know, I, like I said, I don't, I don't mind their approach on other things. I don't think it fits when we're dealing with kids. And as a parent, I would, you know, feel horribly if my if the after school satan club was the only thing in my school that i could send my son to that wasn't um a religious club and then he got you know made fun of or bullied for it and um, i just don't think that's the correct approach and so then you as both a like a critical thinker a parent i mean is, was that the inspiration for for young skeptics and maybe and now i let like i want to talk about that because i want to talk about the fact that you're that you are bringing in critical thinking to young people and, and really trying to work with them on, on that just very clearly, like yeah. the critical thinking and yeah. Yeah. So we launched Young Skeptics uh, a little over two years ago, actually. We had our pilot group uh, in a small town called Churchville in New York, uh, where, which is the school district that I live in. Um, and we happen to have a good news club here. So the Good News Club was really kind of the starting point for young skeptics. You know, once uh, some of my fellow members of the Atheist Community of Rochester, which is our local meetup group here, uh, we read Catherine Stewart's book um, called The Good News Club, which is kind of an expose on the Good News Club and their practices and how um, really disgusting they are. Um, 
you know, we talked about it and got together and said, you know, is there anything we can do about this? Um, and, you know, we found out through, um, you know, through the book that they, you know, had won that Supreme Court case to get there. We couldn't really kick them out. We tried some other angles like, um, you know, uh, uh, contacting the school district, the superintendent saying, uh, you know, their practices are abusive and can be considered uh, intimidation for kids. And that's against the um, the conduct policy in the district and they should be removed from the school. Um, but, you know, that really requires a school superintendent to kind of um, have the balls to go up against um, child evangelism fellowship and kick them out and risk a court case, which we know public schools don't really have that much money to defend themselves in court. So um, you're really back up against a wall. So what we said is, you know, let's create a, an atheism club for kids. And then we thought, well, we're not going to get anybody to join because what six and seven and eight year old knows that they're an atheist? Well, not many, <laughs> right. unless you're raised secular, which is yeah. really the, the minority. <laughs> But you could even make the same argument. What sixth or seventh grader knows that they're Christian? Well, yeah. Aren't we <laughs> born Christian? I bet we were born pocket. Christian. Right, yeah. well, Christian. No, you're born country. with original sin you're because you fucked up and you're a are. bad child yeah. and you know what you did when you were a fetus. This is a Christian nation. We're all born Christian. <laughs> right? That's true. Sorry. America. Yeah. Except except for how everybody was like deist and like, like Christianity <laughs> and God's not in the Constitution. Don't Don't worry about that. You just made this a three-hour podcast. <laughs> I know. Seriously, Dan. You said it was getting late. Like I know. It is getting late. That's why, that's why I'm getting a little, a little loopy. Uh, but anyway, so so we thought, we thought, why don't we focus on, you know, we don't want to do the same thing the Good News Club is doing. We don't want to indoctrinate kids and tell them what to think. Let's teach them how to think. And we came up with Young Skeptics and, uh, you know, thought we should focus on critical thinking and, and evidence-based learning and, and the scientific method. And that's that's what we're doing. And and there is confusion over it being an atheist organization, but but it's not. It's a critical thinking yeah. organization, right? Yeah, it's really something that the press has latched onto because that's going to get them clicks and advertisements and things like that. So I've tried to fight that um, over the past two years and trying to dispel the myth. But uh, uh, even even though you know, re- regardless of what I say about it and 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 show people, our, our curriculum is on our website, so anybody can look yeah. at it. Um, <laughs> Unlike the Good News Club, but uh, interesting <laughs> transparency. Yeah, one side works out. What other. a concept! Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, no matter what I say about it, people are going to say it's an atheist group. We're teaching atheism, and or even devil worshiping because those are one and the same. Of course, um, it's all the same. Yeah, I mean, even Ken Ham wrote a piece about it that it's really atheism for kids. He titled it so. Thanks, Ken. Correct. <laughs> well, he, I think he did us all a, a great, I mean, we, again, we could, we could have like a three, I think we had a three hour podcast as I went to the, the ARC opening. I think, didn't you speak at the protest? Yeah. 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 I was there. I saw you. I saw you talk about it. Yeah. I, I was very impressed with everything and ugh, all I did was make me mad. Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's selling this weird, like messed up fantasy world to ch- to children to people and and it's it is infuriating that that we do we live in like modern first world times and this weird story is being like given a theme park which is right. failing right. which i mean everybody knew that it was going to fail because it's fucking ridiculous but like that that still is given credence by any any part of society is I mean, well, it shows that we need organizations like yours 
to help raise the next generation to be better at thinking right, than people right. now. <laughs> yeah, so, and yeah, our, you know, we're starting to focus on things like not just. Um, I mean, we don't talk about religion or, or atheism or anything in our classes, but we're not we're not just talking about um, you know how to think critically or uh, about science, but we're actually starting to bring in things of you know like modern struggles that people have with information. So we're not just in the information age, right? We're in the misinformation age, and it, that's it, it. Really became evident in the in the election when you know the news came out that um, you know fake news stories got so many more clicks than on Facebook than real news stories. And, you know, we have everyone living in their own little silo and sharing information that's false and they don't know how to really detect the truth from fiction. And, um, you know, those are the tools that are going to help, uh, help kids throughout their lives because it's just going to get worse. Well, you can't, you also can't step on people's deeply held beliefs because that's being disrespectful, right? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Especially those flat earthers. Oh, God. So, hey, if you can talk rationally to them, maybe they'll listen. Yeah. I got yeah. chastised last week for making fun of one, and you can't do that. You have to be nice to them because maybe they'll change their mind. Yeah. yeah you're, just, not. you're not watching the video. I just rolled my eyes very hard. <laughs> you're obviously a paid shill. <laughs> for big globe. For big round earth. For NASA. Big round earth. <laughs> Dude, I would love to be a shill for NASA. God damn. I mean, like, yeah, could you seriously. imagine? I'd like, I'd like, I'd like, like to be a shill for somebody. Just put me on a space station for like a week. I mean. Yeah, that's how it works. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. Thanks, Secretary. You know. So, so talking about like things like, you know, raising, you know, critical thinkers and all this. We, we got some questions um, from like some friends and listeners, whatever. And there's one from Megan that I think is, is an interesting one to talk about. I mean, she, um, so she said she lives in a rural highly evangelical town and she has a, a preschool age son and so her question is like how can she and she said she's an outspoken atheist so how can she help spark a sense of skepticism and critical thinking before her son is influenced by like you know friends teachers other people like how how do we start when when kids are young mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of a lot of theories around this and, and some people go the route where they kind of um, take all of the myths out of um, bringing their kids up um, so that means you know no Santa Claus no tooth fairy no you know everything right um, I, I mean that's that's one way to do it but I think you're also telling them what to think depending on how you go out uh, you know about it so if you just um, you know tell your kids when they're young that all of this is fake and made up and make believe and some kids believe it um and you know that goes you know right up to religion um but uh, again you're you're kind of indoctrinating them into what i would say is reality but um what other people would say is is um you know a, a certain way of thinking that may not be correct um so focusing on uh asking questions right so uh if if a child says I think that the moon is made of cheese. Then you start asking questions about why do you think that? What makes you think that? And um, you evolve the conversation uh, to allow the child to make his or her own conclusions. Um, certainly you can't do that when they're three years old. 
Um, but you know, as you know, the kids get older, the conversations get a little more in depth and, and you can work through that. But, uh, it's, I, I don't think it's, it's, uh, ever too young to really, um, start, you know, instilling critical thinking, um, at home. And, you know, there are a few books out there that, uh, address it. There are some kids books, uh, some children's books too, um, that talk about not only, um, kind of scientifically thinking about things or, um, uh, uh, or, you know, what are the different religions in the world and why do people believe them? Um, but I, I think we're getting to a point where there are tools out there if we seek them out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, again, I really think that it starts with the way we address those questions that kids have or those assumptions that kids make. Um, I think that we can kind of mold their thinking and teach them to think critically. I like that. Just, yeah, I, I think really we can help guide them, I mean, as best as we can and just how to how to ask questions at the older they get, how to find answers and, right. and yeah, to just, to be, to be skeptical, but not in, not in like the, the earth is flat sort of way, but in the, <laughs> like, you know, like, like I will gather actual evidence and I will learn yeah. where to get my information. Like you but said, see, before, I learned from I Ken mean, Ham though, that you can just say, nah, and that's being skeptical. See, yes, the mm. that the word the word skeptic and skeptical. Um, those yeah. those words have been bastardized. Uses it like it's and... a like it's a bad word. I can think of just to transition yeah. kind of back into what, uh, that question kind of hit on the first time, like even because my my oldest is seven now, but I think when he was uh, just turned five, had went to a birthday party of a family that was Pentecostal. I had no idea that they were Pentecostal, which I mean, good for them, I guess, but. They went up to his room and like, uh, I didn't hear about this until like a month or two later, but he explains how he's up in the room. He sees a Bible. He like on his own has said, well, you know, I think the the whole thing is, you know, not, not really something that happened. But, and so he says this to his friend who is also five and his friend hits him with the damn book and says, <laughs> the Bible is powerful. And he was like, Dad, wow. like, what kind of power does this have? And I was like, I don't know a whole lot about Pentecostal, but uh, I talked to a few people after that. And, like, they think, like, the book is actually powerful. And so, like, that's one thing. But then also, like, to me, like, how fucked up is it that this kid thinks that not only, like, is this book, like, powerful, but, like, I'm going to, like, hit this other child with the books. That means he's seen that somewhere and that he's seen somebody sure, hit yeah. somebody with this and thinks that that's acceptable and like, that's okay. Like that's just, that was the first, and I had, that was the first time I'm like, I don't, I really don't want to fuck this up with my kid here. Like, I don't know what to say. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, well let me go. I'm just going to go talk to people about it. But yeah, like, like you said, it was uh, what it turned into was just, well, why do you think that's powerful? Do you, I mean, is, right, do you right. think that, like you said, and, and it's, it's really hard to not, uh, especially as snarky as I tend to be, uh, to not just outright say, no, that's bullshit. And mm -hmm. kind of let him come to his own conclusion like that. Yeah. I couldn't tell you how many times I've, I've said to my five-year-old son, why do you think that, you know, and it's just, yeah. just getting the conversation going and trying to understand his thought process. And, and as a parent, you really discover a lot more than you think you will. <laughs> right. um, because when they answer that question, uh, you know, the can of worms opens and it's like, okay, I, I think we have to take a break from this conversation. <laughs> like <a break>. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, and I think that it's always good too for like for kids to see us not instantly have the answer either, and to sometimes right, need sure. to need to say, well. I, I can't tell you right now, but I'm like, but here's how we're going to either figure this out together or like, let me get back to you or like, because they, they need to understand that like, it's okay to not know. Knows. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And instead of being taught that there is, you know, there's this one book that can tell us everything <laughs> or the, or there's a person who is an expert on everything. It's like, the reality is, is that we're all constantly learning. And don't we want that from our kids for them to feel like, this is, it's all this process. Like I want to be inquisitive. I want to ask questions. I want to get there or sometimes understand that like we're not, we really might not know the answer and that's okay. So yeah, I don't even bother answering questions anymore because (laughs) if my son (laughs) asks me something like how far away is Mars, right? We'll be in the backyard looking up at the stars and I'll be like, that's a little red planet up there. How far away is that? And I'll, you know, venture, I guess he's like, you know, can we just look it up on your phone? Come on, you're you're five. You got a phone, like you got a tablet, like YouTube that. I'm busy. I got shit to do. I gotta cook you dinner. I'm not even gonna, not even gonna try to answer because I know he's gonna make me verify it. Yeah, but see, but that, but it's like ultimately, there's like parenting goals right there is to just have kids that are they're asking questions, trying to figure shit out, and like, and we're there to to help guide them in the process. So, so I, that's why, I mean, I, I totally dig like what you're doing and trying to bring this to bring this to schools, bring this to, you know, like really just try to help, help people think, make America yeah, think we're trying in the age of Donald Volunteers Trump. Are needed. So yeah, so we'll, we'll have links to like, to everything related to you and young skeptics, like in the notes for the show, sure. because this might like, I hope that this is the kind of thing that people will say, Oh, like this is interesting to me. This is something that I can, you know, try to do and get involved in and and be active in in essentially promoting critical thinking. And now I have one more question that is a little bit different from, you know, just like the young skeptics, but in general in sort of the secular movement and um and activism and that kind of thing. We had two two of our friends and listeners, um Jason and Jeff have both asked similar questions about like, you know, we sometimes see in like the skeptic and atheist worlds these you know groups of like older white men kind of getting together and like (laughs) um yeah like that like that's what some of like you know like skeptics in the pub or local like secular communities are are drawing but how what would be your advice to people who are organizing groups and like to get a more diverse population to their events and things like do you have yeah any advice on that i know um so yeah (laughs) we've run into similar issues in our own uh local groups here and yeah but as far as secular groups go ours is actually um somewhat diverse Mm -hmm. um but if you're looking to bring in kind of a, a younger crowd um you know you really have to do your best to reach out you know, to them and the methods they're going to see, right? So social media comes in to play a lot. Uh, Posting meeting announcements at local colleges uh, is always a good idea because you're going to get the people, especially at colleges, you're going to get the people who are interested in critical thinking and skepticism because they're in the process of finding their own answers to whatever they're studying. And, um, yeah, you know, you can, you can, you know, draw in uh, uh, groups of people from, you know, depending on what you have in the area, and uh, 
we've been somewhat successful in doing that. And we've actually brought in people from local Christian colleges um, who were atheists um, after they joined Christian school. Uh, so that's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so just kind uh, of finding uh, different ways to reach out and yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, so reach out to the channels that they're, that they're using, you know, don't just depend post, on. Is it, does, it in, does it include posting pictures of your food to Instagram? Sometimes you have to do that. That's, that's that's all that's all I, I see people do. That's all I know about Instagram. Um, yeah, <laughs> or or join a, a CrossFit class. Oh, CrossFit! Yeah, but like, you want to talk about CrossFit? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have nothing to contribute to that kind of conversation. I have nothing either. That's about my knowledge of CrossFit right there. So let's talk Just about that CrossFit it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something people talk about a lot. It is well, a religion, from what I can tell. So another religion. Anything could be a religion, and, and, I guess. And again, uh, at NC Newell with your uh, complaints about the show. <laughs> Me? <laughs> well, fine. I, I will nicely take any complaints about the show. But now that I've said that, does that just open a floodgate of shit coming my way? Anyways, so on that note, <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for talking to us. Like, we really appreciated your time and and getting to know just about what you do and so if people want to find you on the internet and learn more about what you're up to where can they find you well uh you can find me on patheos at secular voices that's the blog there or you can go to secularvoices.org which just basically redirects there uh i'm on twitter uh at secular voices um on facebook there's a secular voices page there's a trend here also a Young Skeptics page and a Young Skeptics Twitter as well. Um, and the book is on Amazon and pretty much anywhere else online that you can buy a book. Awesome. And we got, we got those tagged on the video on Facebook now. We got links to all that stuff on there. We'll have it in the notes. And thank you so much for taking time tonight to join us. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. love the internet it's a little different than what we usually do but the reason we love the internet is because we like to use the internet as a place where we can watch andrew seidel troll ken ham <laughs> so andrew um has been on our show this is your third time talking to us so sorry. i love you guys what can i say <laughs> well we're we're very happy to have you back so andrew can you introduce yourself to anyone who doesn't know who you are and if they don't well that just I don't know who, what rock they're living under, but yeah. Sure. So I'm a staff attorney at the Freedom From Religion Foundation, FFRF. So basically I defend the wall of separation between state and church for a living, stand up for atheists. Basically I use my law degree to stand down religious bullies for a living. It's pretty fun. So, so what I'm hearing you say is you're awesome. incredibly angry and you just want to shit all <laughs> over anybody who disagrees with you. I think that's a fair summation of what I just said, correct? Okay. Yes. <laughs> got it. Got it. Dan gave the alternative fact of what you just said. So, um, all right. So, there is a new commercial that is just put out by FFRF. That's and correct. That's what you're here to talk about. And uh, where'd you shoot this commercial? So, we actually went to Kentucky to Ken Ham's Ark Encounter to shoot a commercial at this kind of this creationist stronghold, this monument to ignorance. And we're using it to get people to join the fight against that ignorance. So I like I just want to know how did you manage to like to shoot a commercial 
for sure. the Freedom From Religion Foundation at a place that is just a monument to religious insanity. Sure. So they're really open about letting people come in to the park and they, you're allowed to video and take pictures of just about everything except for the actual movies that they have playing in in the park itself. Um, it says it right there on their website. It says it on the ticket stub. They're completely open about it. Um, and, you know, we had a little microphone and we had a, a little camera, so we weren't you know terribly obvious about it. Um, I actually, I was walking around carrying my, my trusty, well-thumbed Bible. Uh, I was using it to cross-check Ken Ham on his citations, and it turned out to be like the perfect camouflage. Because if you're carrying one of these and kind of just talking to yourself, which is probably what I looked like, then most people just ignore you. So it worked out pretty like, well for us. It's like, oh, he's just another visitor, just do, exactly. doing his thing, doing his Bible thing. Let me just ask you, um, was Ken Ham totally right on with all his facts? He was not. I mean, not with the facts for sure. And even if you're trying to be a biblical literalist, he missed a few things. You know, he the, the, the ark is supposed to be covered in pitch, which is like this black tar-like substance inside and out. That was completely missing, which I was disappointed. You know, it's like, that's how it's waterproofed. Uh, and then it was also, the, the best part of the Noah story really is, is the ending. And... Ken Ham didn't mention the ending really at all. Um, so if, if everybody remembers, after the whole flood and all that shenanigans happens, they land and then Noah plants the first uh, vineyard. It's a very, very exciting time. He gets drunk and passes out like the, the, like the drunken sailor that he is. And then <clears throat> his son... Oh, I never thought of it like uh, that. I never thought of him as a drunken sailor. He's the first sailor. drunken sailor. The yeah, the first drunken sailor, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And then his, his son Ham walks in on him, drunk, passed out naked, right? Because that's what you do when you pass out drunk. And later on, Noah wakes up and he's so infuriated at his son for seeing him naked that he curses his son's son to a life of slavery. Okay, so this as is... As you do. Yeah, and this is, so this is his own grandson who he's cursing to a life of slavery because he got drunk and passed out naked. And so there's like, there's like a dozen people on the planet at this point, And you're going to just curse one of them to slavery. Yeah. Just to ache. Right. <laughs> and he's a, and he's a close family member. He's an innocent child. He, he, even if you think ham did something wrong, he, the kid didn't do anything wrong. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and, and that all ties in nicely with the fact that this is the man that God thought was the only person worth saving on the entire planet, right? <laughs> like the guy who curses an innocent child to a life of slavery is the only moral person who should be saved. Uh, and of course that's because God isn't deciding things based on who's moral and who's not. He's deciding things based on who believes in him and who doesn't. Um, so, you know, righteousness isn't equated with morality, even in the Bible. Anyway, yeah. It's so finite. Noah is, it's is a monster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Noah's a monster. This, this art park is just the most, defensive place I think I've ever visited. And uh, we went we went and filmed a commercial there to, to you know, shout atheism from the rooftops. So like that, I mean, that just in itself is fucking awesome that you're like, let's film a commercial to, you know, promote reason and logic and all of that stuff at a place that is just a monument to pseudoscience and irrationality and just like a really distorted worldview that people probably shouldn't have in 2017. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a monument to ignorance. That's just, that's the phrase that kept running through my yeah. head the entire time I was walking through it. It really is. 
And so, you know, so people like, I mean, I assume most of our listeners of like our show know what the Ark Encounter is or whatever, but like, there's some reasons why, I mean, it's like, it's annoying that it exists for the reasons of, you know, that we've already talked about, but like, there's other things like taxpayer money, how they want to get public schools to like send their kids for a dollar. Can you like talk a little bit about why we should care that this exists. Sure, sure. And this is one of the things that FFRF has worked really hard to fight. So right when the ARC opened up, we actually got a report that day on the grand opening that a public school uh, participated in the grand opening. The band went and marched and played, uh, which which was a huge problem. You, you cannot, public schools cannot take their students to a place that says the Bible is literally true. And Ken Ham has been explicit about this. The only purpose of the Ark Park is to convert people to that particular brand of Christianity. So it is it is a completely off-limits place in terms of public schools. So actually, I wrote a letter for FFRF that we sent to every public school in a five-state radius to make sure that they knew they weren't allowed to take their students to this Ark Park. Uh, in response, Ken Ham lowered the price for every public school student to $1.00. So this is a very real concern, and we've actually tangled with a couple of school board um, employees and school board representatives who, they didn't actually try to implement a trip, but they thought they could uh, kind of argue with us over that, and they were mistaken. Um, so we've, we've worked really hard to ensure that no public school has gone to the ARC, and, and so far we think we've, we've accomplished that. Um, it's, it's a really, it's a really awful place, uh, just in terms of how it it it's its worldview its outlook and to expose children to that is awful enough in itself but top top on top of that the constitutional violation and it's it's a huge legal problem for any school district and then you know you take it like a step further even to their like hiring practices right sure. at the um at the park like they they won't just Accept anybody to work there, right? No, you have to be a young earth creationist to work there, which means you have to believe everything that they believe. You have to be their, again, their particular brand of Christianity. Uh, you can't be LGBT, you can't be a non-Christian. Uh, so, so it's hugely problematic, especially given the, the federal funds, or excuse me, the state funds and the local funds that are tied up in the park. And they actually haven't been paying off because the place uh, is, is, is empty. Really, when we were there, it was um, this one of the reasons we were able to do it so easily. You know, it wasn't just me walking around with the Bible. <laughs> the place was empty. I mean, there were, I, we saw maybe maybe 50 people. And if you check out the blog that, that we wrote about it and see some of the videos, um, you know, half the people that I saw there were uh, they were workers, you know, the contractors who were trying to expand the park to accommodate all these crowds that don't exist. Um, and that's partly because Ham really misrepresented the attendance figures when he was proposing this park and looking for public money. Well, and so, you know, that being said, like he, he was proposing this thing, right. That was going to bring tourists and was going to bring like probably some kind of economic like boom to this area. And it's not really working. No, it, ha it really hasn't happened there. There really hasn't been anything. Um, and just a quick side note too, you know, We've talked about the, the public money going to it, and it's a, it's a little complicated, and I go over some of this on the blog post, and uh, a lot of information available on Friendly Atheist as well. But <clears throat> the bottom line is that this was challenged in court, and the reason that the challenge stopped 
was because a new, very conservative Christian governor won election in Kentucky. Uh, and it's be- mm-hmm. like, I can't remember the, the voting turnout, but I think it was one third or fewer uh, of Kentucky voters actually turned out in that election to vote. And that's probably one of the reasons that the public money hasn't been able to challenge. It's a very difficult thing to challenge legally. Um, and the state was challenging. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, that we're not we're not pursuing that further yet. So I, what I like you've now you've been there, you've seen it, you know, kind of mm-hmm. vacant and all of that. It's st- it still exists. Whatever. Like, what do you, what's your prediction for the future of this thing? I know, you know, Ken Ham talks a big game, but. Like, is this just going to become like this barren arc wasteland at some point? I think I think it will. Um, you know, the, all the all the estimates show it kind of show the attendance kind of kind of going up and then peaking sort of around year one or two, and then and then sliding off and continuing to slide off, and then maybe hitting a, a, a kind of level. Uh, but based on what I saw, and again, you know, I didn't go on a busy day; I didn't go on yeah. a weekend. Uh, but based on what I saw, I don't think that this place is going to be around for very long. I can't imagine. I think the, the real question is, what are we going to turn it into when it's done? Or how long can Ken Ham prop it up, you know, using using his private money and private donations and things like that? Uh, so, I mean, I, I've seen a casino floated. I've seen a hotel floated. Those ideas. <laughs> uh, no pun, in, no pun <laughs> intended. Sorry. Uh, no, we like <laughs> We had David Silverman on a while back, and I know he said uh, he he wouldn't mind moving the American Atheist uh, headquarters there too. So I know that's out there, and yeah. I think we could start a GoFundMe for that if if it, when it gets to that point. I mean, there's there's a huge amount of space in there. Not if you're you know an animal or you know eight thousand or ten thousand. <laughs> All the animals. Yeah, yeah. but we only needed you know, seven thousand different kinds. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw the, the signs. Kinds. Yeah, I saw. Oh, I saw the signs. The signs. Yeah, I don't remember where kinds fit in in the Kingdom Phylum class order family genus yeah. species. Oh, they don't. They don't. Yeah. And don't like don't you dare ask them to explain invention. it either. Because <laughs> science doesn't fit in to any of it. No, it really no. doesn't. I mean, no. and my my favorite sign in the whole place was um, there. I think it was how do the how do they keep the polar bears cool? Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's one of the first signs, and it's yeah. it's just it's basically just like just don't ask questions. Just the Bible's right no questions and then you'll you'll believe everything that we believe and well, it's it was just mind blowing because the answer to everything really is just because god like yes. that that's kind of it and so they live their lives like in this well just because god here's a boat that yeah, really, and- that won't float but like because god this exactly. all this all is a real thing sort of and it's so weird and if you're if you're not able to watch the video right uh, right now, we we have the we're showing the uh, actual uh, I don't even know what you call it, sign I guess that's that's outside and yeah that was, like like you said this was the uh, very first thing that I saw uh, when I got in and it's it's I felt like it set the tone for the entire thing because it's just saying skeptics often mock the concept of the ark and its animals so they develop questions designed to make the ark look foolish like it like you're you're leading out. Like with this, it it is. I would expect you to start like with your strongest like representation of whatever point you're trying to make. You don't need skeptics' questions to make the ark look foolish. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) You've built you've built this full scale replica, and you needed like eighty four concrete columns to keep it supported. It looks foolish just sitting out there on its own. You know, Um, 
Yeah, there was another really great sign in there too that was in the, I really, the one thing that I thought was hilarious was the, there's a pre-flood section of the museum and there's one sign in there. It's this artist rendering of, you know, because God killed everybody because they were all so evil and awful. Yeah. Right? That was the whole point of killing all the people and every single animal on Earth. Nice. It's like, let's have a do-over. Let's just, yeah. let's, I, I fucked up the first clean. time. Let, let's do, let's do this over. Genocide, yeah. mass extinction, all yeah. of it. So, to show how evil men were, there's a picture of a dude with a triceratops horn. Um, and he's because, like, yeah. yeah. And he's like super, super happy and gleeful that he has killed this triceratops to cut off its horn. But if you look back, like, really what they're showing is men are evil because they're killing animals. That's really the message of this particular painting, which is exactly what God is doing in the entire arc. He's killing all the animals, right? Like, right. Yeah. like So that means that according to your version of what is evil, God is the evilest mofo out there. <laughs> God is the evilest mofo out there. I think that, that 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 just sums it all up, and there's a theme park to prove it. And um, so, I think I think one of my yeah. like my favorite just the beginning of the second floor, and we'll show it here uh, on the video. The fairy tale arc. Yeah, oh yeah, like, yeah. That room is great. That the room is great, but like also like it's its own meme. Like you've you I don't we don't even have to do anything with that. Like. It's yeah, and it's that, a fairy that, tale. Like, that was you. the that was the one that was the one thing that they didn't shy away from that I thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. You know, they really didn't shy away from the genocide aspect of it, right? Because yeah, were, I mean, well, you can't hide that. You can't hide no. the genocide. It's like everybody died. Like, but that's what this, that's what this that, room that's what this room is complaining about. It's complaining about how all these fairy tale yeah. books don't focus on the genocide, and I was kind of surprised by it. And. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's he's saying that it's not supposed to be a happy story, and like yeah. this makes this he's and he's like this is what makes the arc look ridiculous to skeptics. Yeah. This is this is the part that we have all these fairy tale tale stories and children's books, and no, they need like kids like fucking need to know like some shit went down, a lot of people died, and then we all like came from eight people fucking each other. Yeah, is he like trolling himself? It's like it's it's crazy that like this dude believes this stuff and is like everybody should believe this stuff well i mean the, the cognitive dissonance that it takes is is really amazing and the and the leaps and just the lengths that they go to to explain why this story is true and there's there's such a simpler explanation is amazing you know it is yeah. kind of fun for a moment to take the whole story seriously and then think about the implications like i i did uh, just some back of the napkin calculations because it says in the Bible that the flood covered the top of the tallest mountain in 15 cubits of water, which means Mount Everest was covered in 22 feet of water. So I was like, oh, I wonder. Like, we can measure that. We can yeah. do the math. I'm like, so I did the math on that. And that's like, you need 10 more Atlantic oceans to rain down in 40 days. Like, no, it's just not no. happening. And it's, no. But but it goes back to what you you're, you're saying earlier, which was right. Well, the answer's got. Like, so I've right. explained it. Well, see, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's like, I totally get that back in the day, people had to make up stories when they didn't know, because they didn't have explanations, right? Sure. Like, but now we have, we know we have a much how things happen. We have much, we have much more evidence to kind of explain things. And, and, and that in itself is really cool. What we know about the world and the universe and how we all got here awesome. is really fucking cool. And so 
to need a fairy tale and to hold on to that, like that's kind of sad to me that they're still stuck. Sure. And I think, I think the thing to, I think the thing for everybody to realize is that religion is just a set of ideas. We, we, you know, we kind of, we kind of hold them up higher than that, you know, and we, we label them beliefs and that, and that's fine. They are, but really all you need to do is get somebody to change their mind. Right. And this is the best way to think about this is a lot of atheists were once believers. You know, they didn't gain 50 IQ points overnight. You know, they, they didn't go to have some huge breakthrough in therapy to cure some mental disease. All they really did was change their mind. And it took questions and discussions and, you know, these, these skeptical ideas that Ken Ham wants to shut down right at the beginning of his arc park on that polar bear sign. All it takes is more and more and more of those. And eventually, you know, that mind is, is going to gonna have to change. I, I really, I really do think that. I don't think that uh, even even a mind like Ken Ham's can stand up to it. I don't think there's a point of no return. Um, it's just a question of getting through to it, getting through all the defenses that the religious set of ideas has developed for itself over the years. And so there, there's optimism there that people, oh, can, yeah. people can think and people can change their minds, and and that's where you know I want to you know close out again by saying like we always tell you like awesome work that FFRF does that you do. Um, advocating for, for reason, for like in your commercial, advocating for science education, for critical thinking and all of that. So um, if our... And not even, and not even just for atheists or yeah. agnostic or it's, that's, it's like, these things also, like, these laws also protect those who do have religious, those Christians, Muslims, uh, Jews, Hindu, like whatever Absolutely. you are, like we're, we're, you're, we're also protecting those because what, what can easily happen if we allow the things like this to go on is now my only my brand of Christianity or like in this case, creationism, that's the only belief system that w- that we're going to allow now or that we're going to favor. And so that puts even it's it's almost like we want people to make up their own minds and exactly. <laughs> live their own lives. Exactly. Exactly. And I hope everybody really does go watch the commercial. You know, we, we put a lot of work into it and I hope they consider joining the Freedom From Religion Foundation afterwards. We we really do depend on people's support. You know, we're we don't have any big donors. I got, a, a you know, George Soros. Obviously, he's out there, but he's not funding us, despite all the right-wing claims. Uh, so we depend on, you know, the $40 a year that everybody donates. Uh, so that's that's what we need. So please join us if, if you're interested in protecting science-based education. Cool. And um, so we'll have the we'll link to the commercial in our, like, show notes, Great. all that kind of stuff. And if people want to find you on Twitter, um, Facebook, where can they where can they look? So FFRF has a Twitter and a Facebook, which is just FFRF. And then mine is Andrew L. Seidel. Um, there's actually a poor Andrew Seidel who teaches at the Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, and he's never answered any of my emails. He's been there for like 40 years. And so oh, I've, I, I try to use my middle initial to not yeah. besmirch his good name, but I think it's too late. So. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for talking to us. And um, I'm sure you'll be back sometime. You know, I hope so. Yeah. I, I love coming on with you guys. Cool. All right. Yeah. All right. And, Bye-bye. And we have, yeah, we definitely have uh, links to your blog and to the video in the description of this video right now. So if you're watching, go click on those, watch those, share them with your Please friends, do. loved ones, dog, cat, whoever. Far and wide. Access. Your, your dinosaur kind. Your All right. kind. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. See you later.
And if you made it this far, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five-star ratings on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, Podbean or, I don't know, what do you use, Natalie? Like, for podcasts, I listen on iTunes to to other people's podcasts. iTunes. iTunes, oh, that's the thing. Because you have an iPhone. Yeah. I should... Shouldn't hate on iPhones because that's like what me. half our listens come from. But like, fuck Apple. But if you have comments <laughs> or <laughs> as I alienate everybody, our listenership. If you, have, <laughs> if you have comments or suggestions, you can reach us at podcast at scienceenthusiast.com. If you have uh, concerns uh, for the show, you can you know talk directly to Natalie at NC Newell. <laughs> <laughs> Just you talk can find to our me. Full podcast arc. Yeah, just talk to her. You find her full podcast archive at us, not a scienceenthusiast.com. These notes need to be updated. Scienceenthusiastpodcast.com. You can also follow the page on Facebook. You can follow me, a science enthusiast, Natalie, Skeptical Parenting or Science Moms. Um, also, we have a YouTube channel. We have you know, links to all this stuff in the show notes if you go check it out. But we have a YouTube channel. We do like live videos uh, that, like every week uh, of yeah. us. Uh, I say that we're not doing one right now because like it's been a long fucking day did you realize that we're recording like five nights this week i know we like because because we're, we're on other people's podcasts this week too yeah so it's, we even doubled down tonight we just did one and i know. We might have to do it again because it looks like my audio didn't record uh, right <laughs> how excited uh, are you I'm not. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, <laughs> I haven't eaten dinner. God well, fucking we'll, shit. We'll do it. It. We'll, it's, it'll be okay. It'll yeah. be okay. I'll All figure right. something out. Okay. But also, if you enjoy the show, do consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TSC podcast to get access to bonus content, extended interviews, and early access to episodes. And uh, not everybody can because not everybody, uh, you know, likes us that much or I mean, most <laughs> people don't like me well that's okay <laughs> because i have as many real life friends as there are genders two uh that's that, that's a joke uh, i obviously have more than two friends so that's 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 where the joke joke comes yeah, yeah I, I get it get it but if you want to get if you throw money at us because everybody likes money and we uh, could you use that? Uh, just like Michael, Trevor, Alice, Cynthia, Michael, Michael, Felix, Amanda, Chris, James, Sarah, and Jose have done, we would be incredibly grateful. Natalie, hit us with a quote. Religion is not merely the opium of the masses. It's the cyanide. And that is Tom Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, That's a good one. That reminds me of the David Silverman on when he he was on Fox and he... Uh, well, I forget who it was said that uh, religion brings a lot comfort to a lot of people, and he fired back without hesitation, saying heroin brings a lot of comfort to people too. Yep. So, so that, and um, all right. So next week, come back and listen to us, and um, we will have our interview with Rob Sharkey, who is a farmer and podcaster, and we recorded a fun interview with him where we talk about. All kinds of things like spreading, you know, the pro like agriculture and GMO message. We talked about podcasts, pro GMO chemtrail agenda, all of it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's all, a different podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast. But um, yeah, come back and listen listen to that next week. Yeah, we even got into uh, just a lot of 
not like we even talked about religion with him, which we is did. interesting, uh, yeah. sp- especially uh, considering he is a or considers himself to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we talked about that and it ended funny story ended with uh, with all three of us telling each other to fuck off because uh, <laughs> we uh, we, we can't agree. So of course, because we have like a difference in like one, like insignificant, insignificant area of our lives. Like we can't at all, uh, be friends or like talk to each other. Like we're like, you know, all fucking people. So, uh, check that out. That's already, if you want to go on the YouTube channel, uh, that's already, that video is already up. Um, and, and you can spoiler see alert, just, Dan, just how, Dan just lied. Dan just lied. How vicious. No, you gotta get people, you gotta get people excited. Oh, you gotta tell them sorry, right, what right. to we, be excited about. Why that's they're right. excited, we where to go everybody. to yeah. get excited, and you gotta you gotta have energy. You gotta have energy. <laughs> oh, god damn it! So well, funny, funny story is about me when I was fourteen. I like it. <laughs> uh, again, the other stories are the topic of another podcast. That I I was I was just gonna say this has been this has been great. Um, I love you, and we'll be back. Ooh. Girl. I know. Easy. I know. You're, you're my best friend, sadly. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry you have to do this with me all the time. Well, I'm more sorry. I'm the most sorriest of all the people that are sorry. I am the most. Cool. Yeah, I think that works. The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC, all rights reserved.